What is your excuse? Because we're going to look here at this story. When you read it in the Bible, the Bible calls this the calling of Moses. The calling of Moses. And as we look at it, we will see that Moses had a bunch of excuses. And as we look at these excuses, I want you to think about excuses you may have in your heart. Because when I read this, I can see myself. We are not that different from Moses. When God speaks to us, very often we start off and we have a lot of excuses as well. <clears throat> now let's just look at the background here. What had happened. <clears throat> you remember that, you remember this, even you young teenagers, you remember the story about how Joseph was taken and he was sent to Egypt. And then he became really famous, he was the second in command in the country. So he went from being one person and then his father and his brothers came and they came and uh, Pharaoh said, you can live here. Here, take the best land. So they started off being 70 Israelites. This is like 400 years ago when we read this story. 400 years earlier. 400 years have gone past. 70 people are now way over a million people because they multiplied. They multiplied. That generation after generation is exactly what God had promised to Abraham. However, this was quite alarming to Pharaoh because he saw that God was blessing his people and they were multiplying. They were actually now, if you've got 70 people, foreigners in your land, you can control them. But once you get into millions, oh, you don't really know what they get up to, do you? So it was a bit of a concern for Pharaoh. <clears throat> and so you know the story how they were not treated very well. And um, <clears throat> Pharaoh even said that he wanted them to stop multiplying so much. It's not unlike today. It's not unlike today. Let's kill every firstborn. Yet today we do it a little bit smarter. We call it abortion. But it's still killing. And very often it is the firstborn that's killed. That's how the enemy worked. He wants to kill. He wants to kill. So Pharaoh was like that. He was not a good man. This Pharaoh was not like the first Pharaoh when, when Joseph came. No, no, this man, this Pharaoh was not a good man. And he mistreated the people. There were dark days, slavery, abuse. That's what the people of God lived under. Can you imagine living under that? And it goes on after generation after generation. Their hope was past, gone. They really, really had forgotten what God had promised them. Now, if we go to Exodus 2, you can look this up and put it up there for Exodus 2, verses 23 to 24. It says, Now it happened in the process of time that the king of Egypt died. Then the children of Israel groaned because of the bondage, and they cried out, and their cry came up to God because of the bondage. So God heard the groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. Now God had never forgotten, but this is how, this is how Moses betrays it. This is how Moses explains it. Because remember, this book is written by Moses. God had never forgotten his people. 
but they felt like it. So this is then coming to realize here in Exodus 2 that it's come before God and God is aware and God is remembering. And so we come to this amazing story that Victor just read out that Moses has an experience, a supernatural experience with a bush that keeps burning and it doesn't consume. And very often God comes as fire, the fire of God. This is what happens. God shows up. God has not spoken to them directly for 400 years. This is a long time. Moses is just not expecting this. Moses is describing it as his calling, but actually it's much bigger than Moses. Because this is a story about God. This is a story about the faithfulness of God and God's plan. But very often you look at it and you see it, oh this is just my life, this is just my life. But there's a bigger story that's going on, there's a much bigger picture of what God is doing. Moses had fled at age 40. Remember, he ended up killing an Egyptian because they were mistreating the Israelites and so he had to flee. He escaped. He's been in hiding for 40 years. He's now 80 years old. If you think you're too old, are you 80 yet? He only just started his ministry at age 80. He only just started. You're not too old. And you're also, teenagers, you're not too young. Read the book of Timothy. You're not too young. God uses us at all the different ages. And here, God shows up like in fire. God comes very often like fire. In Ezekiel, the vision of heaven, it was fire. In Revelation, God is fire. God is a consuming fire. And this is the story of the deliverance of and the deliverance into the promised land that they would be blessed. Now if you go to back to verse 8 that we were just reading, this is what the, the Lord is saying. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from the land to a good and large land, to a land flowing the milk and honey. Who's going to do this? This is God speaking. God says, I, I have come down to deliver them. Who's going to deliver them? God is going to do it. God states really clearly to Moses, he's going to do it. However, this is a hard one for Moses to swallow. In verse 10, God says, Come now therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israelite of Egypt. So God is going to do it, but he's sending Moses. It's God's doing, but he's picked Moses. And now we're going to look at the five excuses that Moses came up with. But, but, but. If, when, what if, we all like that. 
I believe we all like that. This church that you are in now, many years ago, the couple that started this church, John and George, when we came to the church as first, George said, I have a vision to reach a thousand souls. I have to confess to you, I was sitting in the row like you and I thought, a thousand souls. We are sitting in a chicken hut. A thousand souls? Because I was looking at it and, and I was analysing. I was looking at my natural eyes. This is just a temporary hut, it's no longer there. It's no longer there. And I was looking at the ability of the people and I thought, a thousand souls? My faith was too small. We are like that. We are like that. We doubt. But God says, it is not about you. It is not about your ability. This is a God thing. So today, we are here and it's a God thing. There is a much bigger picture that was going on in my head or in your head. You are looking at it from your eyes. And God says, it's not how to look at it. I've got news for you. It's not about you. It's about God's plan. Verse 11. I think we can put, instead of saying Moses, we can put our names in there. Because we've all said this. Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Who am I? I, 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 I. And God had already just told him that God was going to deliver them. Now he's asking about himself. But God had just made it really clear that it was God that was going to do the deliverance. He just needed him to go. Aren't we like that? Who am I? I mean, Moses at least, it was quite a challenge to go to Pharaoh. God is asking you to go and speak to your neighbor and you, you argue with God and you say, who am I, God? They might slam the door in my face. To speak to somebody at work, to pray for them, and you say, oh, but who am I? I've got to throw it back myself. I'm not really perfect, you know. Excuse, excuse, excuse. Okay, he asked the question to God. It's a good place to have the conversation. But he was still misguided, because God had already revealed and God has picked you, like he picked Moses. God has picked you. You cannot undo that. You can ignore it, you can question it, but you cannot undo it because you are chosen. First excuse, who am I? Who am I? The reply that God gives is, I will be with you. That is all you need, is to know that the Spirit of God is with you. God says, I will be with you. That is all you need. He will give you the words. 
He will give you the ability. He will open the doors. God will do it. I will be with you. Did you notice that God doesn't give him a pep talk? He doesn't say, oh Moses, you've got such beautiful face. Oh Moses, you're so talented. Oh Moses, you're so gifted. No. All you need to know is that God is with you. Because you're not reliant on your ability. And you're not reliant on your skills or your giftings. Yes, these are all gifts from God. God says, I will be with you. That should be sufficient. Because God is going to do it. In other words, stop looking at yourself. Because there's a much bigger thing happening here than you about you. This is much bigger than Moses could ever imagine when he's seen that burning bush. So much bigger. We are still talking and marveling about it right today. So much bigger. The plan of God is so much bigger than you are even imagining. But you've got a piece to play in it. So stop arguing with God and go. Because he says, I will be with you. I'm only 13. God says, I am with you. I've not been to Bible school. God says, I am with you. Then God says, I'm giving you a sign. Listen to this in verse 12. So he said, I will certainly be with you. And this will be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Do you notice this? For us humans, this seems a strange sign. Because it's future. It's not happened yet. It's a prophecy about what's going to happen later. So the sign that God gives you is in the future. In other words, use your faith. You see, God has already been in your future. If you're here and you're 14, God has seen you when you're 45. He already knows what things are going to be like. So when he speaks, he's speaking and it's factual because He's already in the future, and he's in the past, and he's everywhere. So when God gives a sign, he's saying, hey, come on, use your faith. Excuse number two. What is your name? What is your name? Now, I cannot imagine that Moses didn't actually know that God was Jehovah, Elohim, because his mother did teach him. And he would not have forgotten the names of God. But what he's saying is, I really want to know you more, God. I, I don't feel like I know you enough to be able to go and to deliver your people. I don't feel like I know you enough. What is your name? I need, I need to know you more. Now this is a genuine request, isn't it? And we all are like that. That we have a desire to know more. He did know who God was, but he was anticipating that people would go, oh, here he goes again. He's been away for 40 years, but he's still crazy, this man. But God speaks, and God says, I am who I am. I am that I am. God is self-defining, self-revealing. 
His I am means unchanging, never changing, self-existing. God does not rely on anything or anyone. He has always been, he always will be, he never changes, he is everywhere. He is outside of time. But this second excuse, what's your name, wanting to get to know God, aren't you amazed as you, as you read the scriptures later on and you discover what an intimate relationship God and Moses has. And later on in the scripture we read that God says, when I speak to a prophet, I speak in dreams and in visions. But when I speak to my servant Moses, we talk face to face. Wow! What a relationship this led to. What a relationship this led to, speaking face to face. And then when we come into the New Testament, when Jesus comes on the scene, Jesus also says, I am, I am, John 6, 48, I am that bread of life. John 14, 6, Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, the life, and no man comes to the Father but through me. And John 8, 58, Jesus said unto them, very, very, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. That's an amazing statement, isn't it? You would think, oh, I think the grammar's wrong. I should have said before Abraham was, I was. But no, 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 Jesus says, I am. Because Jesus, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are eternal outside of time. So you never hear Jesus say, I was, because he always is. It's always Present tense, it's always, God is always there in present tense, not past. I am. It's the best definition of God that exists. I am that I am. And then in John eleven twenty five, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. Praise God. The great I am. We worship the great I am. What was God's reply? I am that I am. And in verse 17, I promise to rescue you. I will lead you. God will do it. God goes into detail now. Explaining to Moses, prophesying to him how it's going to happen. Moses gets a layout of the whole plan. How it's going to happen. How Pharaoh won't let them go and there's going to have to be all these miracles take place. Because he's going to harden his heart. God tells him in advance. God shares the plan with him. And as we get to chapter 4, we still get excuses. Moses is still reluctant. He's still hesitant. Even when we know what the right thing is to do, sometimes we are reluctant. And as we get 
to Exodus chapter 4 verse 1. It says, Then Moses answered and said, But suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say the Lord has not appeared to me, to you. Suppose the people, in other words, what will people think? Moses is anticipating a negative reaction. Isn't this very often why we don't speak to people we should speak to? Because we say, what if they will reject us? They will think I'm crazy. That is fear of man. And we should be having the fear of God. Because God has commanded us to go and to speak. We should be speaking because the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. If we fear God, we will do that which is right. We won't do it because we fear God. Never mind what blinded people will think. That doesn't matter. They're blind. But we must fear God because if we don't go and we don't speak, that is a sin. Because we're disobedient to God Almighty. That was his third excuse. They will not listen. Concerned about people's reaction. That is not your responsibility. It is not my responsibility how people will react. But our responsibility is to go and to speak. Go and speak. Stand up for what is right. That is our responsibility. People's reaction, that is their responsibility. And God gives Moses three signs. The first sign, remember he gives him the stick, and then the stick turns into a snake, and then it turns back to a stick. That's some party trick for Christmas parties, isn't it? Would you like that at your Christmas party? That's quite a trick. Think about it, a snake, what does a snake represent? If you go to Egypt and you look at all the carvings and everything, they always had snakes. That was like their symbol. So God has given Moses this sign to show the power of God is much stronger than the power of Egypt. The power of God and therefore the power and authority that God gave to Moses was greater than the authority of the nation of Egypt. That is what God was showing in that sign. God has power over the nation and Moses will have power over the nation. Then there was the second sign. He put his hand in and out of the coat. One minute it would be covered with leprosy and then the next minute it would be healed. Leprosy in those days, a disease there was no cure for. Zero cure. And God is saying, I can bring a disease like that and I can bring healing just like that. The power of God. Of course, as we look back at it, we also know that leprosy represents sin because there's no cure for it. No human cure except God. Except God. And the third, the third sign was taking water from the Nile and turning it into blood. Now the water, the Nile, the river Nile, is really the, 
life-giving power of Egypt. It is what produced their, um, their crops, it's what they fed their cattle. If they didn't have water on the Nile, the country would die. So it is representing the whole power over the nation unto death. That God has power over the nation unto death. And this is what um, these three signs were given to invite faith. And the Israelites believed. God had said to Moses they were going to believe, and they did. They did. Now, what is the fourth excuse? This is a good one. I think we've all fallen into this one. In verse 10, verse 10 of um, chapter 4, Exodus 4. Then Moses said to the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. I don't know how to speak, God. I can't do this. I, 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 I don't know enough about the language. I can't really speak. I'm not very good at speaking. And he even says, even since you started to encounter me, God, I'm still rubbish at it. That's what he's saying. What does God say? God says, who made your mouth? <coughs> Sometimes we forget every breath we take because God has given it to us. If God didn't want us to be alive, we would all be lying dead on the ground. Every breath he gives. Everything we have, God has given us. And if he wants us to suddenly be able to speak another language, he can do it. He can do anything. But God is saying, it's not about you. What made you think it was about you? What made you think it was about your ability, huh? If it was about your ability, who would get the glory? Who would get the glory? Who has made your mouth? It's all about God. In the New Testament, in Corinthians, it talks about us Christians as jars of clay. We can, we're so easily broken. We're just jars of clay. When I'm weak, I'm strong. God's strength shines through. What God is going to do is too big to be reliant on our ability. What God is going to do in these last days, remember, we live in the days where God says, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. That is a prophetic word that is not um, got conditions attached to it being dependent on us. God said, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. I will. He has not changed his mind. Stop focusing about the, your lack of ability, your lack of skill. Who am I? I can't speak. Because it's a much bigger thing happening. It is the pouring out of the Spirit of God supernaturally, and we're just to go and to be vessels. Go, go. The last complaint 
initial refusal. And the scripture tells us that God got angry. Oh, oh, this is not so good. That we question God to the point that we stir up the anger of God Almighty. But Moses did. Because he says, send someone else. Send someone else. God has picked you. You think he doesn't know your weakness when he picked you? You think he didn't know? He knew that Moses had committed murder. He knew that Moses wasn't good at speaking. He knew that Moses was 80 years old. Do not question God. Do not question the fact that he has picked you even with all your inability. You're looking at yourself and thinking, I can't do this, but it's God that's going to do it through you. You are a vessel for him. Actually, the whole story that we have read is a little bit like a parent trying to persuade a five-year-old to go to school the first day at school. If you think about it, come on, go, pick your coat up, take your bag, take your staff, go. Eventually the father just says, or the mother says, go, because all these objections are neither here nor there. There's a much bigger thing awaiting. And so God speaks to us <laughs> like a parent. And even though God got angry with Moses, it didn't last very long. And God was still faithful. You know, even through all of our failures, God is still faithful. The plan was predetermined. God revealed it to Moses. And it happened in an even more miraculous way than Moses could ever imagine. They walked out of there after 400 years. When God moves, suddenly things happen really fast. And they walked out with the wealth. The day before, they were beaten. And now, these people are running up and giving them the silver and the gold and everything and say, go, 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 go. That's how God works. Supernaturally. Turned over. We are the church of God. We are the ecclesia. We are God's people. This place here, life center, this is God's idea. God has picked us to be a place, a center of life, to host the presence of God. Everybody that walks in, when they walk in, they feel the anointing and they feel the presence of God. Yes, man built this structure to be a dark place, but the light has come. And this is now God's place. This is now a holy place. Because the presence of God is here. There's no dark place that God cannot penetrate. It doesn't matter how low a person goes, that Jesus cannot raise them up and change their lives. That's what God is saying in this place. 
So that the people that used to come here seeking and seeking but never finding what they were really looking for, they can come and encounter a living God and have their lives transformed. This is a place for signs, wonders, and miracles, a resource center for raising the apostolic and the prophetic. People that know how to get the sick healed, how to prophesy, how to cast out demons. This is a house of signs and wonders. This is a place for teaching and equipping and sending out. This is who we are, the body of Christ. God has anointed us with a spiritual renewal project that will flow into communities, it will flow in. So on Tuesday, we're going to walk around the center Why God told us, move, move to the center, move to the center. To bring God order. To bring God order. This is bigger than you and I. This is a God thing. God order. Just walk, just do it. Just do it. You know, we've been around now, we've covered, thank you all of you that have helped and you've been out there and you've been walking and you've been making declarations outside of all the schools. We've covered 81 schools, all the schools in West Lonia. We've covered 81 schools, praise God. God is going to do it. All we do is we go, we stand, we speak the word of God, we declare the word of God which is eternal. Oh yes, the darkness have built up all of this stuff for years and years. And then you go there, little Christian, and you make the declaration, and they all collapse like a pack of cards. Because it's the word of God that goes forth. It is so powerful. It breaks through all the darkness. And we will see this young generation come to Christ. We will see this young generation. They will come and they will worship God and they will have encounters and they will lay hands on, on the sick and they will recover because it's the word of God. He says, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Let's get ready. Let's go. Let's do it. Livingston is to be the hub. The house meetings all in the surrounding area. And there's several of you, you're already ready. To open your doors to have house meetings, to bring in new people, bring them in, pray with them, worship with them, read the scriptures, lead them to Jesus, bring them into the kingdom of God. We are a church of young people, children, millennials, generations set, families with young children. Oh yes, they're going to come in, more and more and more is going to come in. We have an anointing to birth signs and miracles in impoverished areas because God loves to bring the light into the darkness. God loves to turn people around. Livingston was not man's idea. This is a new town. For those of you that came here recently, this is considered a new town. It was an overflow from Glasgow and Edinburgh and they decided to make this town. But actually it was God's idea to be a living town with the life of God. The life of God, it was God's idea. And this land is anointed. So we, the church, can speak and make royal decrees in this land. And we speak and we proclaim that Livingston shall be saved, that the people and the souls of Livingston shall come 
and they shall find Jesus. God has given us Livingston. The enemies tried to put a displacement spirit, trying to displace Livingston's spiritual identity. But no, we are the people of God and we've come to correct that. To proclaim the word of God. To bring the fire of God. To bring God order into Livingston. This is a mission. This is a mission. And it's much bigger than me or you. It's a God thing. Just like Moses. Remember, it's a God thing. So push aside your emotions, your weakness. God knows all of that. And remember, it is much bigger than you and I. It is a God thing. God bless